Welcome to our service of Good Friday Remembrance. We gather today to remember the crucifixion of Jesus. Entering into our final of three reflections, we've heard the story of the women of the cross, spoken about the centurion, and now we come to reflect on the cross itself. We begin by standing together in worship uh, before having our reflection Immediately after the reflection, there'll be a reflective organ piece followed by a period of silence. We invite you to use that to reflect on the things that God is bringing out to you. From there, we'll pray together and stand to sing a final song.
From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split. The, rock, the rocks split and tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection. And, and, and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. On Golgotha's hill, Jesus hung, robed in red and crowned in thorns. Flanked on either side by two criminals, high and lifted up in the rubbish dump outside the city walls of Jerusalem. Meaning to add to Jesus' humiliation, Pilate, who had condemned him to death, wrote in Hebrew the language of the people of God, in Greek the language of the cultured world, and in Latin the language of the Roman Empire, so that the whole world could read, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Oh, the deep irony. In his desire to shame and point out Jesus's crime, Pilate had instead declared the truth. The place of agony, defeat, humiliation and death had become though nobody on Golgotha's hill realised it yet, the beginnings of a kingdom and the enthronement of a king. We can't help but think of James and John, Jesus' disciples, whose mother asked of Jesus that her sons be seated on either side of him when he came into his kingdom. She clearly saw these positions to be ones of privilege and honour seeing kingship through the old lens of power and status. Nick Baines writes that on that cross, Jesus had someone on his right hand and someone on his left, but they weren't the normal people who would be normally depicted as sitting alongside the king. The throne of this king is flanked by people, 
not of honour, but of degradation. In death as in life, Jesus is surrounded by those who don't belong, those who are shunned and despised, those who are held to be of no value and of no account to the world. What James and John had to discover was that to sit at the right hand and the left hand of Jesus was to share in his fate. It was to lose any sense of status and privilege and abandon any thread of attachment to the ways of this world or its values. To sit alongside Jesus the King meant losing your life and confronting your own death. Maybe we'll tell Mr Cameron. It's a strange truth that all new life comes out of the dark places. I feel sometimes that it's taking me a lifetime to learn this. As I've tried to imagine the darkness that fell over Golgotha that Friday afternoon that we now call good, my mind takes me to another hillside. This one in Nepal where a village has lost nearly all of its girls because they've been trafficked by people who trade in flesh. My imagination follows their enforced journey across a flimsy border into India, on to the city of Mumbai, and straight into Mumbai's maze-like lanes called Kamathpura, a red light district where evil and darkness truly reside. I've walked those lanes and felt the tendrils and eyes of darkness mock all my ideals of humanity and what it is to be human. Utterly lawless, the streets and buildings are controlled by gangsters and pimps, slave traders, whose main business is the bodies of young girls. In every doorway of every building, my eyes met the eyes of a woman whose story I could only begin to imagine, the lies, the deceit, the promises, the violence that had left her enslaved in this network of brothels that are commonly, commonly known as the cages. The cages, those two words describe the lanes succinctly. As I walked them, I knew that hidden in the deepest parts of the brothels, probably right underneath the roofs, the youngest of the girls were hidden. Girls like those from the mountain village in Nepal, locked in cupboards and cages, in rooms so dark they would only be visible to the trained eye. It would be the paedophiles that would be allowed to visit them. Those who would break them until there was absolutely nothing left of the child that they once were. The darkness of the place, if I am honest, was Golgotha-like. It was utterly overwhelming. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? There are those, maybe you've read them or maybe you've heard them, who'll tell the stories of the last days of Jesus' life as though he faced all that was to come cheerfully. As Bishop Nick Baines writes, his macho brow furrowed with determination as he purposefully goaded the authorities into his desire to be martyred. This is nonsense, also says Nick Baines. As we know from Thursday's unbearable scene in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus asked his friends to stay here and keep watch with me, that even for Jesus, 
who could call down all the angels of heaven to save him, Golgotha, death, was something to be feared, a dark night into which no one should go lightly. Matthew tells us that in that garden, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He fell to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not my will, but your will. As our clock this Friday so pertinently reaches three, let us, for a few moments, stay here and keep watch with him. Let's not be in a hurry to pass by. The privilege of retrospect assures us that Sunday is coming, but today is Friday, and Sunday is another place, another world, and for Jesus, in all his humanness, and for all those who stood at the foot of his cross and loved him, Today was a day of profound pain and darkness, and the darkness had the propensity to be utterly overwhelming as humanity gave its very worst. For the Nigerian teenage girls kidnapped by Boko Haram for seeking an education, let's stay here at the foot of the cross and hold them before the one who sees them and has not forsaken them. For the 147 Christian university students killed in Kenya this week by Al-Shabaab, let us wait. In memory of the young woman gang raped and murdered on a bus in Delhi, let us sit before the one who understands and embodies and takes into himself the darkness of all that it is to be human. In memory of the 21 Egyptians who walked the way of their saviour on a Libyan beach and died with his name on their lips. For the Christians of Iraq and the Yazidi people who've been subjected to the horrors of those who call themselves Islamic State, let us not move. For Pastor Saeed Abedini, imprisoned in Iran for taking up his cross, for Asiya Bibi in Pakistan on death row and justly accused of blasphemy, for Rafe Badawi in Saudi Arabia who dared challenged injustice, let us bring before them, before the innocent crucified. For the one who's just been told that they're ill, for those who have lost their jobs, for the homeless, for the lonely, for the bereaved and the sorrowful, know that his scar, nail-scarred hands cut our faces close and wipe away our tears. For the little girl, locked in a cage in Kamathpura, let us stay here and keep watch with the one who knows profoundly and deeply exactly what it is to suffer and to feel abandoned. Hear his voice whisper, I know, I know, you are not forsaken because I was, you never will be. For the wounded, for the hurting, for the lost and for the lonely you came, Jesus you came. For the outcast, the defeated, for the weary, for the weakest you came, Jesus you came. God understands our pain. That is good theology for Good Friday. That is our good way for us to look at the cross.
All new life labours out of the bowels of darkness. The cross we sit at and wait before assures us of this, for it is lifting high a king. O come, all ye faithful, bow before a saviour. Come, let us adore the one who came for us. Glory in the highest, praise the name of Jesus. Our king has come.